Well, it's good to be home. No matter where you travel, where you go, it's always good to come home. This morning we'd like to talk about the subject of light. Starting in Genesis chapter 1, God said, let there be light. There was no sun, no moon, no stars, only light. And you travel through the scripture all the way to the end of Revelation. And the scripture closes with light. Isn't it interesting that scripture begins with light and it ends with light? We see things every day from the moment we get up in the morning until we go to sleep at night. We look at everything around us using light. We appreciate our children's crayon drawings on the refrigerator, the fine oil paintings in the museums, the swirling computer graphics, the gorgeous sunsets, a blue sky, the shooting stars, and of course, everybody's favorite, rainbow that fills the sky. We rely on mirrors to make ourselves presentable and sparkling gemstones to show our affection. But did you ever stop and think that when we see any of these things, we are not directly connected to them? We are, in fact, seeing light. Light that somehow left objects far and near and have reached our eyes. In fact, scientists tell us all we actually see is light. Isn't that interesting? When we think of light, there are two theories that you may have heard about light. Some people think of light as particles, little particles that travel through the atmosphere, particles that may be so tiny, moving so quick and even transparent that we are unable to see them in their natural state. Other people think of light as a wave. In the 1600s and in 1807, a man by the name of Thomas Young was able to show that light doesn't act just as a particle, but it also acts as a wave. And it moves as a wave, and we see that wave radiates outward at all times. Modern physicists believe that light can behave as both a particle and a wave, but they also recognize that either view is a simple explanation for something far, far more complex. But remember this. Science is always in the process of climbing the ladder of ultimate knowledge, only someday to reach their goal and find the theologian already sitting there. Because we understand that all truth comes from God. And in God's word, he gives us truth. And we know that the complexity of light is easily explained in the word of God. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. And John wrote these words. This is a message we have heard from him and announced to you. That God is light. Did you hear that? God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. The one thing that is understood by scientists today is how light interacts with different surfaces in our world. Light can be absorbed, it can be refracted, it can be reflected, and it can be scattered. These four aspects of our interaction with light is a wonderful way of looking how we as individuals interact with the divine light of God. The light of God, first and foremost, needs to invade the life of every person in this world. Naturally, light is absorbed at varying rates, depending on the light source and the material involved with the exchange. 
That is why in a sunny day when we wear a dark shirt, what happens? We become hotter. When you wear a light shirt, what happens? We're cooler. Because light absorbs at different rates to different things. God's light is also meant to be absorbed. And it also reacts differently in different situations. The light of God cannot, did you hear this? Cannot be absorbed by people who are filled with false human righteousness. Who are filled with self-righteousness and a sense of pride. In fact, we know that these people are like the Pharisees of old. As Jesus described them, whitewashed tombs filled with dead man bones. That outward white appearance does not allow the light to be absorbed. What is light absorbed to? It's absorbed to that which is dark. And we understand what is dark in human existence, do we not? Jeremiah says that our hearts are dark and desperately wicked. And the moment that we can admit to God that we are sinners and that our hearts are dark, the light of God can be absorbed at that moment that we call salvation. But the light of God cannot be absorbed by those who are filled with their own pride, with their own false righteousness. Turn with me to John chapter 1, if you will. John chapter 1, just to look at this passage briefly. We realize that Jesus told his disciples that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. His light came to those that were lost, not that were filled with their own pride. In John chapter 1 and verse 4, John writes this, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came for a witness that he might bear witness of the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came that he might bear witness of the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. The true light enlightens every man. There is a place and a point when we call salvation when light enters into our life. However, absorption of light does not stop at the moment of salvation. We think, hey, I'm saved. Light has dawned in my heart. I understand the world that God created and my place in that world, and that's it. Not at all. In fact, we understand that justification is the one-time act of receiving Christ, but sanctification is that which happens regularly on a daily basis, setting ourselves apart unto God each and every day. And that means, during that time, absorbing the light of God. Each and every day of our Christian experience should be in a part of absorbing God's light. Romans chapter 13 and verse 12 says this, The night is almost gone, and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness, but put on the armor of what? Steel? The armor of plastic? He says, no, put on the armor of light. He says, put on, the ar- let light be so absorbed that you are filled with light each and every day. Well, as we think about ministries and about what happens in our own life, we realize that the continual development of our own Christian life and observing life is so important. When we went to the former Soviet Union in the 90s, we were walking into a broken situation 
a difficult situation. There had been a group of believers that had survived the persecution, that had been put in prison, and that were jailed for their belief in Jesus Christ. And after the Soviet Union dissolved, there was once again freedom to be able to live their life, but the church that survived that was poorly trained. It was beaten down. It was untaught. And so as missionaries, when we arrived there in the 90s and started to assess what could we do to see the church flourish and the word of God spread throughout that land, we realized that one of the key roles we had to play was that of training. So in the early 90s, we came up with the concept of starting a school, an institution, a training uh, ministry called the Church Ministries Institute. In that process, we decided that we were going to take time not only to train the future pastors and missionaries, which we considered to be the highest level of leadership, but we said that is not the greatest need. The greatest need is among the people who are believers within the churches. And then the second greatest need was to develop the ministry leaders who would lead those people in the churches. So we created a three-tier program that said that we were going to teach every believer in all the churches the very basics of the Christian life. For instance, how do you study your Bible, the principles of Bible study, so that every person could open the Word of God daily and absorb light? If you do not know how to open your Bible and study the Bible with a methodological way, in a careful, planned way, then you are never going to absorb light like you should. You have to understand the principles of individual Bible study. They had to understand the the concepts of the introduction to the Old Testament, the New Testament, the history, the context, the culture that goes into understanding that. They had to be able to understand how to live a Christian life among unbelievers, how to communicate the gospel. I can't imagine anyone being at Colonial Baptist right now and not standing in line to sign up for evangelism explosion. It's hard for me to imagine because it's a wonderful discipleship tool to help you to be able to express your own faith. But every one of us need those tools, and we invested in those things in the early days. And the result was in providing training and leadership for the people in the churches, for the ministry leaders, and then for the pastors and the missionaries, that today the result has been, over a decade later, hundreds and hundreds of new churches have come about. Because there's a direct proportion between absorbing the light and the Great Commission. But if we don't start with our own absorbing the light, we can never move forward in the Great Commission. That's first and foremost. Well, while we need to absorb the light in our lives, we realize that light also refracts while passing through objects. Refraction occurs when the energy of an incoming light wave matches the natural vibration frequency of the electrons in the material it's exchanging with. The light is bent and divided into a rich spectrum of colors. This process can be seen when passing through a prism or a gemstone or a naturally occurring rainbow. The light of God is also meant to pass through us to produce brilliant specters of colors seen through our service to Christ. God wants us to use our spiritual gifts, our natural talents, our personalities, and our experience to allow the light of God to come into us and flow through us in a variety and diversity of colors throughout the body of Christ. Some of you come across in brilliant blues. 
Some of you are gleaming greens and radiant reds. Other you, others of you are more sedate. And you may come across as soft saffrons. Some of your wives may look at you and say, well, my husband's a boring brown. He's not anything more than that. Some may say that, oh, she's a shrinking violet. Even some of you might even come across as a bright fuchsia, although we don't always understand you who come across that way. But in reality, we understand that as the light of God passes through each of us, we come across in service in different colors, in different ways. God uses some of us in the light of God in our service to the body to work in the nursery. Some of us are teaching children. God uses some of us to be involved in the music ministry. Some to be working in the physical setup of the plant and serving and driving. Some of us through prayer. But in reality, God uses his light which is absorbed and it's refracted through us into the body. And it comes out in a great diversity, a rainbow of service. And we have to allow the light to refract and to make that able to impact us. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 and 9 says this, For you were formerly darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. The health of any church can be measured by the percentage of those actively serving in it. Did you hear that? The health of a church can be measured by the percentage of people actively serving in it. The more light is refracted throughout the body of Christ, the more preparation and participation can be accomplished for the Great Commission. I cannot imagine my wife Sue and I leaving and going overseas and attempting what we've been through the last 13 years, if not for the investment of the body of Christ into our lives. It was men of God and women of God that took us aside throughout our training process that invested in our life. People that were in Bible college, people that were there through our graduate training, people that were men of God that we served alongside, like an Ernest Pickering who taught me about the love of the Word of God. People like a Glenn Crabb who, who taught my wife and I how to understand people and work with them and understand the intricacies of individuals. For people like Stephen and Marcia Davey, who taught us what it was to have faith in God and believe God for greater things than we can understand. See, as we walk through life, there's people that impact us. And it's not just those, but it's many of you who are out here today among this congregation. Right here in this body impacted my wife and I and prepared us for the ministry that we have today. Without your investment in the body of Christ, we could not be part of the Great Commission. Do you understand that your investment in refracting light has an impact on global missions? But what happens if you're not refracting light? What if there's no people investment? What if there's no financial investment? What if there's no prayer investment? What happens to Great Commission? What happens to global missions? You know, recently in the last two years, my family and I went through a difficult time because we lost both my mother and my father. And uh, although they're with the Lord today, and uh, that's too many funerals and too short a time, 
There were some things that were rather startling to watch in that process. And at my mom's funeral, which just happened not that long ago, there was a number of people in their 30s that came by and they wanted to express their gratitude to my sister and I because my mom taught them in vacation Bible school and they received Christ. And they said, if your mom hadn't been involved in serving, we not, may not be here today. You know, when I think of the announcement that's made today and I think of the testimony of my mother, does that hit you at all? What are people going to say at your funeral when they go by your casket? What kind of legacy will you leave behind? Well, you know, the light is not only absorbed and refracted, but it's also reflected. In varying different degrees, metal, glass, and mirrors reflect, reflect light. The reflected, reflected wave of light always comes off the surface of a material at an angle. Did you hear this? It always comes off the surface at an angle equal to the angle with the incoming wave hit the surface. In physics, this is called the law of reflectance. What does that mean in plain layman language? When you see yourself in a mirror, you are actually seeing the colors that you are wearing. You are actually seeing the shape that you are wearing. You don't look in a mirror and see something different than what you are. If you look at the colors of your suit, it's the same as the colors in the suit in the mirror because it's exactly what you see is what is there, which for some of us is very discouraging, but it's still true. And the reality is we're sitting there and we're looking at these things and you realize that that is a law of physics. The angle that it approaches is the same angle. Remember that. But as we look at it, think about that, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16 says this, that we live in a very dark world. And, it, and Matthew wrote this, you are the light of the world. You, he tells his disciples, are the light of the world. Jesus told his disciples, you are the light of the world. A city set up on a hill that cannot be hidden. One of the advantages of being in Europe is we see some incredible picturesque scenery. And one of the things that I love doing is driving down the highway and many miles away you will see an old fortress and it'll be up on a hill. And it's gorgeous. And you'll see it from miles away, from all directions. And I always think of this passage when I think of that. It's a light in a city set up on a hill. Everybody can see it from miles around. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The idea of a light in a city on a hill reminds us of a mission of the lighthouse, does it not? What is the mission of the lighthouse? The lighthouse exists to help the struggling ships avoid the dangers in the darkness, but also to find the safety of the harbor and home. That is, the goal of the lighthouse is to avoid the dangers in the darkness, but to point the way to the harbor and home. Is that not true of our job as believers reflecting Jesus Christ? 
to avoid the dangers of this world, but to show the way home. Welcome to the family of God. We reflect the light of Christ. Remember the law of reflectance I mentioned just earlier, which states an angle hits the object and reflect the object at the same exact angle? That's only when the surfaces of the material are clean and clear. If you have a mirror or you have lenses that are dirty, guess what happens? There's no meaningful reflection. And this is what Paul was trying to get across to the Philippians when he told them in chapter 2, verse 15. He said, So that you prove yourself to be blameless and innocent, children of God, above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Among you appear as lights in the world. When we are able to have our lenses clean and our surfaces clean, then the light of God accurately, through the light of Jesus Christ, hits us and at the exact same angle reflects him correctly to the world and they see Jesus Christ. The power of reflect, reflected light of the gospel is an amazing thing. I think we've fooled ourselves to think that the po- power of the gospel is not real sometimes. But oh, dear brothers and sisters, it is so real, and I've seen it happen so many times in the most unusual places. I wish you could travel with me to the Balkans. You know where the Balkans are in southern Europe? They're a mountain range. And the Balkans are a unique place in the world because it's where Catholicism, Orthodoxy, and Islam meet. And it meets in a huge triangle that is just explosive. It's the kind of area in Europe that collects headlines on a regular basis. There have been two wars in the last decade fought in the Balkans over religious ideals. In the midst of that, there are areas that are totally Islamic. And we have a missionary team serving in that totally Islamic area. And they're in a city where the population is 99.999% Islamic. And they went there probably fairly ill-prepared in many ways. There's many things they could have studied about Islam and been better prepared. There's other courses they could have took. But they went there serving God and they arrived and they did one thing. They cleaned their lenses. And they lived their life among these people and lived godly lives. And people watched them. And one of the things happened, this little girl who had some diseases and some problems, they fell in love with and, and they helped And helping this little girl, they had no idea that this little girl was the niece of the mullah of the mosque. No idea. And after they ministered to this little girl and her family over months, the mullah came to one of our missionaries at his house at 1 or 2 o'clock at night and knocked on the door. Now, what would you think if you lived in an Islamic country and the head of the mosque knocked at your door at 2 in the morning? That might get you thinking, wouldn't it? He came in like Nicodemus of old and said, what is Christianity all about? For the next 10 weeks, he came every, night, every week at 2, 3 in the morning to talk about Christianity for 2 or 3 hours. Just like Nicodemus. At the end of the 10 weeks, he received Christ as a Savior. Folks, I'm telling you, if a mullah of a mosque can accept Christ, the light can be reflected anywhere, and the gospel is powerful. It can change lives. And since that time, there's been 20 people that have received Christ that were former Muslims in one year. 
God is in the business of reflect, reflecting light and making a change in people's hearts. And we can be part of that. And we need to be part of that. Because we got to only re- absorb the light or refract the light to the body. But we have to reflect the light personally to an unsaved world. Well, the last thing is that the light has to scatter. The light has to scatter. What do we mean by that? Well... In the physical realm of light, scattering is a mere reflection off a rough surface. Incoming light waves hit all sorts of angles because the surface is uneven, and it spread. And that's what happens with paper. If you look under paper, under a microscope, paper is very rough. And because of the rough surface, when the light hits it, light goes everywhere. And that's why we read books on paper, because it's easy to read them. Because the light is diffused so many different directions. It reminds me of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, where Peter wrote this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. The verse is so full of theological truths that at first glance, and even after reflection, the reader could miss Peter's main point. It's so interesting to me how people can say the scripture and sometimes in tearing the verse apart, they forget what the synthesis is, what the main point of it is. Because in reality, you could spend four messages here in this verse just on the people of God and the descriptions of them. And then you could spend at least two more messages on the excellency of Christ. And if we turn the passage over to Stephen, he could come up with at least eight more messages. I'm telling you, this is a, a chalk, theologically full verse. It's a great verse, but let's not forget the point. And it hinges on those two conjunctions, so that. The people of God exist, why? So that they may proclaim. Why do you exist? To proclaim the excellencies of Jesus Christ. That's the point. And the word of God needs to scatter throughout the world. I'm here today to tell you, brothers and sisters, Believers in Christ, that it is not just the American church job to do missions. Well, we are encouraging the churches and working with the churches in Central and Eastern Europe to join the mission-sending force of the world. And I would like to end with this, if we could have our PowerPoint up there, guys. I'd like to be able to show you one example of what God is doing in the country of Romania. This is a PowerPoint done by one of our national partners to be able to help explain what we and ABW are doing together in that country. They said, listen, the gospel went from England to America, from America to South America, from South America to Korea, now back to Eastern Europe. Now, whether you share that view or not, it's not important. This is their view as Romanians. So we respect that. But what they said in 2005 is that we want to be able to take the gospel message and the challenge of world missions around to all the churches that we work with, which are some 40 churches within that country. And said, so we want to challenge them to give their life over to full-time missions. Well, what was the result of that endeavor in 2005? The result was this. At the end of that time, we saw that there was a mission team put together of 22 young people that went out and served that entire year in cross-cultural missions. There were 10 new churches that were byproducts of this effort. They didn't even go out trying to plant churches, but because of the excitement of the gospel overseas, they planted two, uh, 10 new churches that year without even trying. Isn't it amazing? The byproduct of looking all out became a product within And then the last one was there was 400 people that said, I want to go and serve God cross-culturally outside of my country. 
And then they turned to us and they said, Dwayne, okay, we worked on this together. You're ready to train these people, right? They're like, whoa, 400 people. I mean, that's a lot of missionaries to train. How on earth can we do that? And that came more thinking in the process. And as we go down through the slides here, um, we realized that if we're going to be working and developing this, that obviously we need more missionaries. And uh, they said, Dwayne, we need more missionaries to go and help train and develop people for full-time ministry, for cross-cultural ministry in the future. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. This is the cry of the church, not America. The church. The church in Romania, the church in China, the church in South America. This is the cry of the church. So what can Romania do? They said, we're poor people. We make $200, $250 a month. What can we do for missions? And you know what they said? They said, we can challenge other European nations to join us in world missions. And so they had the idea of taking that same message around the European capitals, which is ongoing right now in 2007. There are three quarters around Europe where they challenge the churches in all the major capitals of Europe. And it's been a great success. There's been a real increase among churches in many European cities that said, we need to send out our own missionaries. This is not an American thing. It's not just a Romanian thing, but it's ours as believers in Christ. And he said, well, what can we do? You know, we're poor people. And he said, well, what, how do you start? And he said, well, sometimes heavy loads lift you up. You know, and this is so typical of Romania. You have to understand how things go there. This is very typical. And he said, well, what can we do? And they said, first and foremost, we can say the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. They said, let's ask the Lord or let's pray. We can always pray. Ask God, how do we do this and what happens? So in the process, they get bowed together and they were praying. Let's slide to the last slide, guys, there. And remember, Romania is a country of prayer and of world mission. And we'll finish on the next couple slides here, next one. So we decided that we said we need to invest as a region in a mission movement, mobilizing the churches of Central and Eastern Europe to reach the world. Missionaries helping mission-receiving countries send out their own missionaries. That's where our heart is. Do you want to know something right now, this last year? Our churches we work with sent out more missionaries, and ABW has missionaries in the region. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that wonderful? In fact, I'll tell you this. By the year 2020, we believe that our churches will send out over 2,000 missionaries in Central and Eastern Europe. That's twice the size of our mission at ABWE for the whole world. And God is doing this. God is growing it. They're doing it their own way and different ways. One of the things, the last slide here, guys, one more, and we'll finish that. We are investing in these things. We said if we're going to help these brothers and sisters in Eastern Europe understand it, we have to give them a vision for what God can do. We have to help train them, prepare them for the work to absorb the light. We help them to network with believers around the world and develop their own sending systems in their own unique way to send out missionaries. And finally, we have to help them to understand as they plant churches, those churches need to be church planting churches in the very infancy. You know, as I, I think about the work and what God is doing there, it, it excites me in so many ways because I see the work multiplying I'd like to conclude with Ephesians chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. Paul writes to the Ephesians, But all things become visible when they are exposed by light. Now remember what I told you at the beginning of the message. 
that when you look at objects, you really don't see the object. Scientists say you are looking at light. Remember what I said about the theologian being ahead of the scientist? Look what Paul said 2,000 years ago. He said, for everything that becomes visible is what? Is light. Paul knew this 2,000 years ago because God is light. Everything that visible is light. All things become visible when they are exposed by light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, where did that come from? Paul didn't make that up. He said, it is said. Where did he pull that from? Isaiah. Isaiah said in the early days to Israel, Awake, Israel, and shine, for God is upon you. His light's upon you. Be a light in the darkened world. 2,000 years, Paul said 2,000 years ago, Ephesians, arise and wake. God's light is on you. And today, I tell you, arise and awake. Christ is shining on you today. Will you absorb the light? Will you refract the light? Will you reflect the light? And will you allow it to scatter? Let's pray. Father, We thank you for this time to open your word. We thank you for this opportunity to look at the subject of light in the scripture. We just ask, Lord, that you would work in each heart here. That each person would wrestle with these truths and come to a conclusion of what they mean for them and act on them. Lord, don't allow anyone to leave this place without acting on your word. For we ask in Christ's name.